God wants us to open our eyes to His promises. As our eyes are opened, everything changes. This message is the sixth in the series, Vision 2020. The message is entitled, See the Promises. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. One of the most important abilities that we have in life is the ability to, exp to experience what I'm calling in this series, spiritual vision. While our eyesight is a great blessing, it's a wonderful thing to be able to see physically, there's something even greater than physical eyesight, that's insight from God, the ability to see what God is doing in and through your life, what he wants to do with you, and that requires a different kind of vision. It actually involves seeing into the invisible realm. Our natural eyesight sees into the visible realm. Our spiritual insight, spiritual vision, sees into the realm where God is at work. It's called vision. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, that without this thing called spiritual vision, we perish. But in fact, the opposite of that is true as well, that with spiritual vision, we're able to have a flourishing life. And so you'll never flourish, you'll never grow into the person that God completely wants you to be until you begin to gain the capacity, the skill, the ability, the sensitivity to see into God's realm. Spiritual vision is essential for your life. And one of those things that you need to be able to see to grow spiritually, you need to be able to see the promises of God. If you're blinded to the promises of God, you're going to be blinded to the nature of God and blinded to the will of God for your life. And so seeing his promises are essential for your growth, essential for your future, as we're going to see in this message today. I'm going to talk to you for the next few moments about 10 things. Now, that's a reduction of five things from last week. And so we had 15 points to the message last week. We only have 10 this week, so we're working in the right direction, right? But I promise you we're going to go through these fairly quickly. But they're very important things to understand about your spiritual vision, especially in seeing the promises of God, having your spiritual eyes opened up to what God is promising you for in and through your life. Number one, the first thing that we understand about God's promises and seeing them as if, if you and when you see the promises of God, you begin to grow in your faith. You cannot grow in faith without seeing the promises of God. There's a direct link between seeing God's promises and growing, seeing God's promises and developing in your faith because faith and promises are connected together. Let's start by defining the word promise. What is a promise? A promise is something you declare to a person that gives them an anticipation of something happening good in their future something happening positive in their future. And so a promise is something that says, this is what I'm going to provide. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm available for in the days to come. If I were to say to you today, at the end of today's service, come see me and I will give you $100. I'm not making that promise, by the way. But if I were to make that promise, then you would go through this service. And I would imagine that at the end of the service, there would be quite a number of you that would be making a beeline to me directly because you said, you said, that if I came to you at the end of the service that you would give me $100. And so what you're doing is you're taking a promise. You're laying hold to a promise. You are claiming a promise. You're taking me at my word. And so a promise is essential for faith. You really can't have faith without having faith in someone or something and the word they're declaring to you. So I'll give you a simple definition for faith. Having defined a promise, let's define faith. What is faith? Faith is simply taking God at his word. That's all faith is. Let's say it together. Faith is taking God 
at his word, that whatever God says, that you say, now I'm going to receive this, I'm going to take him at his word, if he said it, he's going to deliver upon it, and that is what faith is all about. And every time that you hear or see God's word, God's promises, and you add your faith to it, it's now going to grow you into a bigger person. You'll expand your life by believing the promises of God. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, faith is, uh, excuse me, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards, he grows, he develops, he blesses those who earnestly seek him. So faith is essential to life. Faith is essential to our relationship with God. And to grow in your faith, you have to see God's promises because you attach faith to something and faith has to be attached to the promise. And so if you don't see the promise, you'll never develop your faith. And so our eyes need to be open to the promises of God. Number two, second thing, that when you see God's promises, you receive God's power. Behind every promise of God, there is power. I'll say that again. Behind every promise of God, there is power. If I did make the promise to you that come see me after service and I will give you $100, then you must believe then that I have the ability to perform on what I'm telling you. Otherwise, it would be completely misleading to you and it would obviously disappoint you because even though I might have said that, I'm not delivering on it. I don't have the ability to deliver. But we have to understand that with God, every time that God gives us a promise, uh, inherent in that promise is the power to perform it. That if God says, this is what I'm going to do, you can count on the fact that he is able to do everything he says he's going to do. And there's that empowerment that comes through God to us that we're able to hold on to and gain power in our own lives through it. Notice 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Through these, talking about the promises of God, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Peter is saying that through the promises of God, when you and I believe them, it brings power for us to actually live the Christian life. Number three, the third thing that we must understand about seeing God's promises, or your eyes open to the promises of God, when you see them, it helps you to experience great blessings in your life. Behind every promise of God is a blessing for you. Every promise that God gives to us through his word, and that's what I want you to understand today, that the promises of God come through the word of God. And when you and I discover the promises in his word, behind every promise is a blessing for you because God wants to bless you. God's heart, God's desire is not to make your life miserable or make your life hard, although life can be hard and life can be miserable at times based upon the things we're going through. But that's not God's intention. God wants to be there to help you through whatever you might be facing in life because his desire for you is to bless you. Sometimes it's just good to stand in front of a mirror and look at yourself and say something like this, God wants to bless me. Why don't we practice this morning? God wants to bless me. It's kind of hard to believe that, isn't it? To believe that God would actually want to bless each one of us because we all know our weaknesses, we all know our failures, we all know our limitations, we all know stuff about ourselves that we think disqualifies us from the blessing of God. But nevertheless, God says, I, I want to bless you. I'm a, I have a desire, a purpose to bless you. And blessings are always associated with promises. For again, going back to the illustration that I gave you a moment ago, if I promised to give you $100 if you came to see me after service, then obviously I need to have the power to deliver on that promise. But if you received that promise, would it be a blessing? You don't need the $100? Okay. 
Just that little extra pocket money would be a blessing, right? And so behind every promise, there's a blessing that is intended for your life. And God always, God's promises are always connected to his blessing. Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse number 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Let me stop and break this apart for you just for a moment. This is particularly talking about one area of life. He's talking about talking to the children of Israel about something they've stopped doing that they should have been doing all along, and that was tithing, bringing the first 10% of all their, their income to God. And so they'd stopped doing that. They were withholding their tithes from God. And God says, look, understand something. I don't want your money. I'm not interested in your money. I'm interested in your trust, okay? I'm not asking you for your money Your money is just an extension of your heart, and so I want you to get back on the right track again and start bringing that 10% to the house of God, and it's it's a demonstration of the fact that you trust me, and then test me in this. Put me to the test and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing there's not even room enough to receive it. So anytime God asks you to do something, it's not because of some mean or terrible restriction on his part trying to make your life miserable. It's so that he can get blessing to you. He's getting you in a position where he can bless you because behind every promise of God is a blessing for your life. So anything that God asks you to do is because he wants to get blessing to you. It's not some unusual, ridiculous restriction upon your life so that you can get in a place where he can bless you the way that he wants to bless you. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Read the rest with me. And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says these words. If you'll just make a decision to seek first my kingdom, Seek first my righteousness, Jesus says. Everything else that you need will be added to you. Again, when we get in the right position, there's a promise that brings blessing to our lives. So seeing and believing God's promises always leads to blessing. Number four, when you and I see the promises of God, we discover valuable resources that help us navigate life's problems and pain. Resources. Blessings are one thing. Resources are something else. What is a resource? A resource is a thing that you need to get you through something, okay? If you have a bill that needs to be paid, money becomes a resource, right? If you have a situation in life where you need someone to help you, that person coming along is a human resource. They come there to help you. And so resources come in material realms. They come in human realms. And obviously, they come in divine realms. Here's what I want you to see today. I want you to think with me for a moment about heaven, None of us know for sure exactly what heaven is like. We get some pictures of it throughout the scriptures, certainly in the book of Revelation, as John enters into heaven and sees some wonderful things there. We begin to understand a little bit about heaven, but we can't fully grasp it with our natural eyes and our natural mind. But one thing that we do know about heaven is heaven is rich with resources. Would you agree with me? Okay. I like to think of it this way. I'm not sure it's exactly accurate. This is the way I like to think of it, that heaven has just got lined up warehouse after warehouse after warehouse of everything you need in your life. There's lots of warehouses all filled with whatever you have need of. 
So there are mighty resources in heaven that when we pray, and I'll get to that in a moment, when we pray, the, the, the work of God through prayer is to lay hold of the resources of heaven and get the resources of heaven down here to our earth. Because Jesus said, pray this way, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, may your kingdom come, and may your will be done on earth just like it is where? In heaven. And so he's teaching us about prayer. And he's teaching us that through prayer, we can lay hold of the resources of heaven that we need right here on earth. And many times when you're going through stuff on earth, you're going through your own personal problems, your own personal pain, and sometimes you're going against attacks of the adversary. There's a lot of hellish work that's going on in your life where the devil is trying to kind of wreak havoc in your life. And so we need heaven to drive hell out, Right? What we need to understand that the promises of God are one of the ways we lay hold of the resources of heaven when we're going through whatever we might be going through in life and we grab that resource and we pray that resource, we believe that promise from God and when we do so, what happens is we are grabbing hold of the power, the goodness, the blessing of God to bring it, bring it into our world to drive ourselves out get God there, to drive the works of hell out, to get God there, so that God is able to do what he desires to do in and with and through each one of us. But it requires the awareness that you need the resource. For example, have you ever gone through a time in your life where you felt like you could not make it, you couldn't get through, you just did not, did not know how you're going to get through the next day or the next hour or the next week, and you felt just completely drained, and you said, I just can't do this. Anybody ever said those words before? I can't handle this. Anybody ever said that before? I cannot handle this. And then you lay hold of the promise of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now suddenly your I can't turns into a I can, right? Not because of really anything that changed in you or necessarily anything that changed in your circumstance. What changed was your belief. And I'm not just talking about mental gymnastics. I'm talking about suddenly now you just connected yourself to heaven by a promise from God, and then you laid hold of saying, you know what, I don't feel like I can, but God says I can, so I'm going to change my I can't to I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And suddenly now you've linked into a promise that brings resource. Let me go back to the question. If you've ever said, I can't handle it, I can't go any further, I can't make it any further in life, I just feel like giving up, but are you still here today? How and why? Because God enabled you to do what you said you couldn't do, okay? Because you laid hold most likely of that promise that said, it's hard, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Maybe there's been a time in your life when you looked at your budget. You thought, how am I going to pay these bills? I have no idea how I'm going to get past this month. I don't know how I'm going to get out of all this, this debt. And then you land on Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And suddenly that promise connects you to a divine resource that you didn't have beforehand, and now it's suddenly a reality to your life. So the promises of God connect you to God's resources, and we all need to be resourced by God. Hebrews 10, verse 35 and 36, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere, that is keep going, hang in there, stay with the process, so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promise. He says, just keep hanging on to my promises. And, I pro and God says, I promise you that, that everything that I've said will happen in your life will happen if you will persevere. Psalm 119 verse 50. 
My comfort, the psalmist said, my comfort in my suffering. I'm going through a tough time, but my comfort when I'm going through these tough times is this. Your promise does what? Preserves my life. It's a resource. It preserves my life. Psalm 119, verse 116. Here's a prayer that the psalmist prayed. Sustain me, my God, according to your promise, and I will live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. So we see that the promises of God connect us to the resources of God that get us through the toughest times of life. Number five, we find motivation to change attitudes and actions by seeing the promises of God. When you see, when your vision of God's promise becomes real, you're you're now motivated to make changes in your life. See, God leads us forward in life and he changes us internally and causes us to live more like him, not by just stern warnings and stern uh, rebukes. He will rebuke you if you, you need it, but he would much prefer to lead you forward to make changes in your life by his promises. See, I would much prefer to change my life based upon the promise of God rather than upon the rebuke of God. Would you agree with me? Okay. I would like to say, God, I'm just going to believe what you say and do it rather than not do it and have God have to rebuke me in my life because I'm not obeying him. I would much prefer to be led by the promises. And so when you get a hold of a promise from God, it will begin to cause you to change things in your life so you're moving toward the promise. Remember the verse I gave, verses I gave you a moment ago about the people who are withholding their income from God? And God says, look, let me tell you, stop, don't, 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 don't continue to withhold your, your income from God. Just test me in this. And so what God was doing was, while it was certainly a reminder and, if you will, a, a slight rebuke to them, at the same time, it was calling them forward, test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing there's not room enough to receive. Why? Because God leads us forward with promises. He leads us forward with kindness. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. Okay. I think sometimes our image of God desperately needs to be changed because we think of God up in heaven as some angry, mean dictator that's trying to make us do things and make our life miserable. No, God's not about that at all. God's a good God. That's a good God. Will he, will he resort, if he needs to, to judgment and to warnings and to harsh things in our life to get our attention? Of course he will because he loves us. He's a father that loves us and will discipline us along our journey. But he much prefers to lead us forward by promises so we change our lives based upon what God is saying about our life and future. Notice, if you will, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 1. Listen closely to this. Therefore, since we have these... Now notice, what do we have? Promises. Let's notice the effect of the promises. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us... What's the next word? purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Here's what I want you to see. The more of God's promises that you grasp in your life, the less of you will be in your life and the less of sin will be in your life. Because the promises of God call you forward to purify yourself from everything that contaminates your spiritual life, your journey with God. Number six, we're halfway done. You can breathe right now. There we go. Only five more to go. We better understand God's nature when we see the promises of God. Let me go back to my illustration I used earlier. If I said to you, come see me at the end of the service, I'll give you $100. Then suddenly when I said that and you believe that I have the power to deliver on it, you believed in my word, you took me at my word, your image of me would be improved, would it not? In your mind, you'd be thinking, he's a really nice guy. I like that guy. Why? Because I made a promise 
that had benefit to your life, that you desired to see manifested in your life, and that promise changed your or improved your perspective of me, right? And what I want you to see today as well is that when you and I believe, see, and believe the promises of God, it should change your perspective of God. I mentioned this a moment ago. Let me come back to it a bit just for a second, and I hope to do an entire series on this uh, once we finish this series, uh, as we go into the Easter series before Easter, talking about the grace of God at work in our lives. At least that's the plan that I have right now to talk about that in a few weeks. So I'm not going to go very much in depth here on it because we will go into it later. But I said it a moment ago. Let me say it again right now. Would you hear these words this morning? God is a good God. Okay. He's a good God. Amen. And God's intention is not to make your life hard or miserable. God's intention is to bring goodness to your life. Whatever he does behind, his, behind whatever God does, there's always the intention of good. Always the intention of good. God cannot do bad because God is totally good. Impossible for God to do bad because he's totally righteous. So God is a good God, but unfortunately, because of things that we go through in life and backgrounds that we have and families that we come from and dysfunctional things that happen to us, we bring all of our imagery, all of our perspectives about people who are, who are in places of responsibility or significant places in life. We bring all of our junk from our past experiences into our relationship with God. And oftentimes we take all of the negative things we've experienced with people and we, we unintentionally or even in an unaware way, we project that on God. And we may not say it, we may not even be aware of it, but somehow we're kind of still thinking about God in the same way we thought about that angry father or that angry principal or that angry teacher or that angry environment we grew up in or that bad dysfunctional place. And so we come to God and we sort of unintentionally, unaware, project that on him. And so we live with our, we live with barriers to God. We live with a lack of trust in God because we're, we're putting on him all the experiences we've had in life. And so this is the way everybody else has treated me. So I'm kind of expecting God to treat me the same way, but God is not like everybody else. God is transcendent. God is this God that goes beyond anything that you've ever imagined or experienced in life. You cannot imagine the purity, the completeness, the, the, the totality, the dimension, the depth, the width, the height of the love of God for you and me. He is a God that loves beyond anything that you, can, you and I can imagine. He loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son down into our world. We cannot fathom that kind of love. But that's the God that loves you. And so when you get a promise from God, that promise should remind you of the goodness of who God is and begin to change your nature. Why? Because if you change your perspective, you should change your perspective of the nature of God. Because when you change your perspective of the nature of God, it changes your relationship with God. Okay? Are you with me? If I think of you in a bad way, how will I relate to you? I probably won't even relate to you at all. But when I begin to realize, oh, you're a nice person, you're a good person, you're, you're available to me, and when I begin to change my perspective of you, then it changes the dimensions of relationship, and the same is true when we change our perspective of God, it changes our relationship with Him. We begin to trust Him and love Him in return and, and receive everything that He has for us in our lives. Why? Because our, our perspective, His nature has changed, so God gives us His promises, so we'll have a better perspective of who He really is. Psalm 103. Verses 1 through 8. Listen to the psalmist. I love this verse. This, these verses. Praise the Lord. 
My soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. As he's a good God, don't forget his benefits. And notice he begins to list some of the benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Anybody glad about that? And heals all your diseases. Anyone glad about that? redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He has made, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is, this is who he is. He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. In this passage, there's this awareness of the promises of God and the the elements of his nature that changes our perspective of him. Number seven, when we see the promises of God, we improve the quality of our life. God's promises will always make your life better. If you are living in a place of despair, you're at the lowest point of your life right now, and God gives you a promise of hope, and you begin to believe get some belief about hope for your life and your future, will, your, will the quality of your life improve? Amen? Will it? If you're sick and diseased and you read in the Bible, I am the Lord that heals you, will that lift the quality of your life? If you don't know how you're going to make it financially and you read Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, does that improve the quality of your life? Every time that you believe the promise of God, it improves the quality of your life. You live a better life when you live your life on the, based on the promises of God. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know, God says these words, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Let me debunk something that's been going around for a while. Many people say, well, you can't really claim that verse for your life because it was written to the Israelites back when they were in Babylonian captivity, and that was for them. It's not for us. I have a Greek word for that. You ready for it? Baloney. Okay. That verse is absolutely meant for you because God does know you. He knows the plans he has for you, and the plans he has for you are plans to prosper you and plans to not to harm you and plans to give you hope and a future. Does anybody, when you read that, feel like your life just took a step up right then, okay? The, the quality of your life improves. 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 8, listen to this, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Did your life just step up to another level when you read that verse? Luke 1, verse 45, the words of the angel Gabriel to Mary, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill promises to her. She's blessed because she believed. Number eight, the eighth thing, when you see the promises of God, you gain focus for your prayers. I touched on this a moment ago, but let me touch on it again briefly here. I should never say the word briefly because that's when I talk the most, I suppose. How do you know how to pray? We talked a little bit about this last week and how the Spirit helps us to pray. I'm going to give you another angle to that. You know how to pray by discovering God's promises because when God gives you a promise, his promise becomes, should become a part of your prayer life. You have to learn to pray the promises of God. When you pray the promises of God, you're praying in line with the will of God. Okay? You're praying that God would 
work what he said he was going to do. And so every time you pray the promises of God over your life, you're praying the will of God over your life. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. You know it will ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Jesus' words here. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give? What kind of gifts? Good gifts. That's gifts based upon his promises. How much more will the heavenly Father, the Father in heaven, give good gifts? Again, gifts based upon his promises to you, to those who do what? Ask him. And so the promises of God should become the prayer list of your life, okay? That whatever God's promises are to you, you begin to pray those promises and know with an assurance that God will deliver. Now, he may deliver uh, in a different way than you might have expected. He might deliver at a different time than you expected. But God always delivers based upon the promise he has for your life. Number nine, when you and I see the promise of God, and by the way, in just a moment, I'm going to tell you how to see the promises of God. Because some of you say, that's awesome. I have no idea how to see them. I'm going to help you to know how to do that in just a moment. But number nine, we are freed from guilt, shame, and regret. Every time you see a promise of God, it frees you. It liberates your life. God's promises set you free. It's a part of the truth of God that liberates you. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Part of the truth is knowing the promises of God. Let me digress just for a moment. I got a lot of digressions today, I know, but a lot of important truths I'm trying to give you this morning. The scriptures contain three basic things. Always remember this when you read your Bible. They contain precepts, excuse me, yeah, precepts principles and promises all through the Genesis I've told you this before just giving it back to you again Genesis to Revelation you open the Bible you're going to find precepts what that, the precepts represent the commands of God what he says is right and wrong how he wants you to live your life the principles of God or this is where you live your life to get in line with positioning yourself for greatest blessing in your life and the promises of God this is what I'll do for you as you, as you obey my precepts and follow my principles so when you open up the pages of the Bible you'll see those three things precepts, principles and promises when you get a hold of a promise, any of those three things actually, a, prince, a precept, a principle, or a promise, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so your, your whole pursuit of your spiritual journey needs to be understanding God's precepts, his principles, and his promises because when you get them, they liberate your life. Certainly the promises do. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Notice how Jesus weaves together so beautifully the request of God, request to God in the precepts, the principles, and the promises. You find all through that particular prayer those three things coming together. First John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Would you agree that's a promise? And would you agree that when you follow what Jesus says to do here in this particular promise, that that promise liberates you? Anybody ever been liberated when you read 1 John 1, 9? Suddenly the shame you had and the guilt that you had, all the stuff that was holding on to you, you found freedom from it because you read 1 John 1, 9? See, every promise of God liberates us. Number 10, we got to the last point. We receive eternal life. 
When you see the promise of God, we receive eternal life. In just a moment, I'm going to read John 3, 16 and 17 verses you're familiar with. Familiar with. Let me set this up for you. How do you get to heaven? Some folks will say, well, the way I'm going to get to heaven, I'm going to be really good. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to, I know I've got some bad stuff in my life. I'm going to be a kind of good person, do all I can. I'll give to charity. I'll do these kind of things. I'll try to go to church regularly. And I'll do some nice things with my life. And hopefully when I die and I stand before God, that God will sort of take all my stuff. He'll put my good stuff on one side, the, 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 the scales of justice, and my bad stuff on the other side. I'm just really working hard so that the, so that the good stuff outweighs the bad stuff. And I just believe that God let me in. You know what? You can never be good enough to, to get to heaven. You can't earn heaven. Heaven is unearnable. Okay? You can't be good enough because there's a problem you have, and the problem is not your works. The problem is your heart. Okay? That down inside of you and inside of me as well, we're born as sinners. We're born opposite, re- rebellious of God. And even when you're doing good things as a sinner, you, oftentimes you're doing it for the wrong motives. Okay? You can do the right thing for the wrong motives. And, so, and sometimes you don't even know what your motives are. The Bible says the heart's deceitful, and so you don't even know what's going on inside of you. So your biggest problem is not your works. Your biggest problem is your heart. And so you can't change your own heart. You can't change your own spiritual nature. You cannot do that. And so because of that, because we're sinners, we can't earn our way. We can never be good enough to be perfectly righteous to get into heaven. And so how are we going to get there? Here's the beautiful thing. The way you get to heaven is by a promise. By believing a promise. That's all you got to do is believe a promise. Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. And so you believe a promise from God, and that promise is your pathway to heaven. Now, would you agree that eternity is a big deal? You don't agree with that? Think about forever and ever and ever and ever. Okay. Would you agree that eternity is a big deal? Where you live forever is a really big deal. I mean, some of you get frustrated with where you live right now, and you say, I don't like this apartment, I don't like this house, got to have a better place. And you get frustrated in the 15, 20 years, you, you, you might be living, let me tell you, it's a long time to live in the wrong place for eternity. And there are only two places to live, heaven or hell. Somebody says, I'm not sure if I believe in hell. Well, you better believe in it. Jesus talked about it, okay? There are two eternal destinations that we have. And so what is going to allow me to escape from hell and find my way into heaven? I know that I can't get there by trying to be good, so that's, that's out, okay? I can't get there by being somebody's friend. That's out because I can't, I can't get to heaven on somebody else's coattails and so, because God has no grandchildren, God didn't have grandkids. We do. He doesn't. Okay. You're either his kid or not his kid. And so here we are. How am I going to get there? Here's what happened. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here's the promise that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's how we experience eternal life. It's all wrapped up in a promise. Now, would you agree that God's promises are are very important? The difference between heaven and hell is all wrapped up in what you do with a promise. Do I believe that or not? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him that is in his death, his sacrificial death, 
His substitutionary death, the fact that he died for you and me, his perfect, complete death of atonement, resurrection, redemption found in him. Whoever believes in him, he rose from the grave, believing in his resurrection power, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then Jesus added these words, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but God sent his son into the world so that through believing in him, you can be saved. God is not in the business of condemnation. God is in the business of salvation, okay? And salvation happens by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, let's conclude here. I'm gonna wrap this up in the next two or three minutes. So stay with me as we wrap up. I want you to notice the importance of, of this idea, this concept of seeing the promise of God, believing them. Psalm 119, verse 140. Your promises have been thoroughly tested the psalmist said, and your servant, what? Loves them. Joshua 21, 45, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Joshua 23, verse 14, I will soon die, Joshua says, as, as everyone must, but deep in your hearts you know that the Lord has kept every promise he ever made to you. Not one of them was broken or has been broken. So how do we see the promise of God? It's extremely simple, but I want you to grasp this. This is our conclusion today, so don't miss this. How do you see the promises of God? Number one, the first thing you have to do is search for them. You've got to look for them. They're there. you just got to find them. And that's what your Bible's all about. That when you open the pages of Scripture, you begin to look for what God is promising. And every time you read a promise, there are literally uh, hundreds of promises in the Scriptures. I have never counted how many promises there are, but there are lots and lots of them. I don't know the exact number, but there are piles of promises in God's word and just waiting. Like, think about this as a, as a gold mine and you've got to pan for the gold. You've got to find the gold that's in here for your life because God has a promise for you. You've got to look for it. You've got to find it. And when you do, that's why many of us who've been walking with the Lord for a period of time, especially if you use the old school, you know, um, hardbound Bible or, or, or leather-bound Bibles that you carry around with you, uh, the, the, the real Bible, if you will, instead of the digital ones, not that those aren't real, but uh, just you got the real Bible. Many of you, if you look at it, you'll find people have highlighted certain verses. Why? Scored them. They got circles around them, written all over them. Why? Because they found a promise, okay? They found something that had meant something to their life, and they, they, they underscored it. They highlighted it because it was valuable to them. It was, a, it, was a, it was a nugget of gold that they found in Scripture. Look for the nuggets. Turn to your neighbor and say, look for the nuggets. Go and tell them. Say, look for the nuggets, okay? Find the gold, okay? They're for you. They're for your life. So you got to search for them. Second of all, you need to pray that your eyes will be open so you can see them. Now, God, I'm not just going to do this in a mental way, but God, would you help me to see the promise that you have for my life? As I'm studying your word, bring something out that's really meant for my life right now. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures and bring the scriptures alive to me and let me see. Because God is the only one that can open your spiritual eyes, but he will do it if you'll pray. Number three, reflect on them. Once you find a promise... The Bible often speaks, I could use another word here, reflect or meditate. It's another word for reflection or meditation. Because here's the way it works. I mentioned it last week. How many of you have a messed up mind? Go ahead and say, yep, you got a messed up. Your mind ever messes with you? It didn't happen to you? Okay. Does your mind ever mess with you? You guys do know I'm talking to you today, right? You understand? Okay, okay, good. Does your mind ever mess with you? So you're going through, let me go back to an illustration here. Let's say you're going through a tough time financially. 
you're looking at your bills, you're looking at your income, your money, and you're like, oh, this is a mess, this is terrible, and your mind starts to go to work. You're not gonna make, they're gonna evict you, you're in trouble, you're gonna lose your job, you don't have enough money. Your mind starts working, and it really goes to work about two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, does it not? Okay, you ever notice that? Okay. Like, I'm just like a good sleep, all of a sudden, wake up, what's going on? <laughs> ever had that happen to you? Okay. Like you're going crazy about two or three o'clock in the morning. It's like, where did that come from? I was sleeping, doing pretty good there, and suddenly now all this stuff hits me. And your mind starts working away at you and like telling you how you're not gonna make it and all this stuff going on in your head. But then you get a hold of a promise from God. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And it's exciting to catch the promise, but you got a, you, now you have a war going on, right? The war is between what God said and what you're thinking. God said, I will supply, but your head's saying, no, he won't. My God says, I'm going to supply your, your head saying, you know, I got two days before I'm out of here, okay? So you're warring with your mind, and that's why you need to grab the promise and keep massaging the promise into your head, okay? You got to keep speaking the promise. There have been times in my life that I will actually, when I'm needing a special promise for something, I'll actually take that promise and write it on a three-by-five card and carry it around with me in my pocket. So I can pull it out because when the stuff comes my way in my own head, I'm reading what God said to me and I'm renewing my mind, okay? So you have to meditate on the promise. And number four, you have to speak the promises of God. Go around just declaring the promise of it. Now, don't do it on the subway. Don't do it, you know, do it in, in appropriate places, but speak it to yourself. Speak it in your prayer life and, and make sure you're speaking God's promise because every time you speak it out loud, whatever you speak out loud, you're actually getting double blessing from because you're speaking it, but you're also hearing it again. It's going right back into your system. It's feeding the right kind of thinking in your life. Let me conclude with Psalm 119, verses 147 and verse 148. Why don't we read this together as we conclude today? You ready? Here we go. All campuses. I rise early before the sun is up. Now, some of you are like, oh my goodness, I just lied right then, okay? <laughs> okay, we're reading a verse of scripture, okay? Let's start again. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. I stay awake through the night thinking about your promise. That's the way that we ought to live. To rise up in the morning and say, God, I need your promise to before we go to bed at night, meditate on the promise of God because the promise of God is the very thing that you and I need to see that will carry us through. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word today. We're grateful for it. We ask you to allow us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to better see and better understand your promises. Give us that spiritual 2020 vision, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I also pray today for those who are here perhaps have never given their life to Christ. I pray that today would be their day to receive you as Lord and Savior. Come Holy Spirit and draw people to Jesus during this time, we ask. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm gonna give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are the savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. 
and I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.